Welcome to Sound Prints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prints for the week of January 31, 2021. We begin with some announcements about various calls and events coming up in the next two weeks. All of these events are open, so plan to attend those that interest you. These first calls are on the KCB Zoom line. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6972. Remember that you can call from your landline, cell phone, or computer. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its bi-monthly open board meeting on Tuesday, February 2 at 8 p.m. and its next Low Vision Support Group call on Wednesday, February 3, at 7.30 p.m. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its winter quarterly meeting this coming Friday, February 5, from 7.30 to 9.30. Chris Gray, president of the ACB Diabetics in Action, will be one of our guest speakers. He will be updating us on the accessibility of devices related to diabetes and sharing information about ACBDA. We'll also bring you updated info on the ACB Leadership Meeting and Legislative Seminar, scheduled for February 21 to 23. Learn about our legislative imperatives for this year and how every KCB member can attend by phone and ACB radio. The Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, KCB's Owensboro Chapter, will meet on Tuesday, February 9, from 1 to 2 Central Time. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Bingo will be on Friday, February 12, from 7.30 to 9.30, and the GLCB board meeting is on Saturday, February 13, at 11 a.m. ACB Lions will hold its February meeting on Thursday, February 4, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This meeting is open to any blind or visually impaired person who's a lion or who's interested in becoming a lion and who lives anywhere in the country. Call-in details will be posted on the ACB Community Events list and on the ACB Lions email list. ACB Families invites everyone to its first event in February on Sunday, February 7 at 9 p.m. Eastern. Our speaker will be Dave Wilkinson. You probably know him best from his technology, but did you know that Dave has participated in Ironman competitions in the past? And he plans to participate in one this year. Join us as Dave shares how he prepares for the competition and details of the day of the event. For Zoom dial-in details and ACB radio schedule information, see your ACB community event schedule or watch the family's email list. Matt Selm was elected as KCB's new president at our virtual convention in November. Matt joined KCB as a member of the then-new KCB Next Generation chapter, in 2014, and he has been very involved in creating and building the ACB Next Generation Affiliate, which just received its charter this last year. We want you to get to know Matt a little better, so meet him on page two. You'll find several short articles about the Talking Book Library, BARD, and the new Braille e-readers being tested by the library on page three. We've included two articles on page four that technically are not about blindness or low vision. But they certainly are important to all of us at this time. The first was originally posted on CNN, and it's about the do's and don'ts related to obtaining the COVID-19 vaccine. And finally, in a time when all of us have a bit more stress than usual, is an article from allrecipes.com about foods that can help reduce the stress in your everyday life. 
We hope you enjoyed this week's sound prints, and as always, please feel free to give us a call at 502-895-4598 or drop us an email at kcb at kentucky-acb.org with your comments, ideas, or suggestions for future programs. Thanks for listening. Page two. Talking with me now is Matt Selm. Matt is the new president of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. He was elected in November at our Kentucky Council of the Blind virtual conference and convention. And he's been at this job now for about two months and is doing a great job. And we're going to have an opportunity today to meet Matt and give you out there listening to Sound Prince a chance to get to know him a little better. So welcome to Sound Prince, Matt. Always glad to be here, Carla. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce us to yourself. Some of us, um, you know, know you as uh, being involved in organizations and things. Other people may know you in other ways. But tell us, you know, about, um, you know, where you're from, just growing up as a kid, what you liked, hobbies, whatever you can choose to tell us what you'd like about yourself. Okay. Well, not to put me on the spot or anything. I appreciate that. Um <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I guess the real quick short end of it is, um, uh, well, I, I guess we'll start in the beginning, as most things do. Uh, so I grew up in northern Kentucky, just outside of Cincinnati and Kenton County, and later moved over to Boone County, where I went to high school, um, graduated from Boone County High School, and I'm not going to say what year, that'll age me too much. And uh, so I graduated from there, was pretty involved in various things, uh, you know, honor society and uh, forensics and things like that. Um, went to college at the University of Louisville, got my bachelor's from there in psychology and a master's in education from there. And, um, and also... I'm a proud member of Lambda Chi Alpha fraternity. I always have to mention them. They grew me a lot as a leader. And, um, you know, presently work at Humana and am married to Amanda for coming up on seven years now and have two little girls that run around and consume a, a lot of my attention. That's the the quick end of version of it. Okay, as you uh, <laughs> you said, you were involved in forensics and things. What what other what hobbies did you have in school, or what did you like to do? You know, what were some of your favorite things um, as a kid growing up? <laughs> well, as a real little kid, I was always I was always fascinated with like animation and um, you know and cartoons and 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 voice actors old old voice actors like mel Blanc, who is the voice of bugs bunny um i was really into sports of course i played um base well kind of like i don't want to say t-ball but it was they had a league a league up there for uh kids with disabilities so we always to play play baseball when i was in middle school i did I wrote a lot of short stories, actually won a couple of, or I got honors in a couple of uh, state 
competitions for like middle school students. And um, I think one year I came in third place or something like that for creative writing. Just kind of did all these, all these little things. There wasn't really one thing over another, I, I would say. So. Growing up, were you, uh, were, did you have enough vision to read print or were you an audio student? Did you do Braille? Uh, I read large print pretty much through elementary school into middle school. And then, then I started using Braille pretty much primarily in middle school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I learned Braille the, the whole time, but I really didn't start using it until middle school. So mm-hmm. I'd say, mm-hmm. yeah. U of L, you said you were really involved in your fraternity, and I guess um, that was one. It was probably one of the first things that I don't know how I even knew that you were involved in your in your fraternity at U of L. I guess that's one of the first things I knew uh, about you was that you were, you know, pretty involved in that. My perception, um, just when I was kind of getting to know you and know about you, was that you were interested, I should say, in sort of the business of the fraternity. That was the image you had anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. I was um, in charge of their running community service events and doing like external public relations. And um, I coordinated alumni, uh, a couple of alumni events and alumni reunion. I had a hand in a lot of other stuff, but that was pretty much a lot of it. And it really, um, it, it, it was, it, it was a good experience. It got me involved in the wider university community, you know, through Greek life and participated in student activities and all kinds of other things that were going on on campus. Knew, knew a lot of people, you know, through that. And, um, you know, I tried to try to make a career out of it too. And I didn't, it didn't quite work out, but you know, it was uh, it was it was great. I really enjoyed it a lot. Well, I think those kinds of experiences on a college campus uh, are just so important because you know the kids that just go to college and and basically study and go to the class go to their classes and don't get involved in some of those things are just missing a huge number of opportunities, whether they're uh, at the top and the leader or whatever, or they're just participating those kinds of things are just really important and give us a back a background and a base for what we might do later on. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, you meet people that, you know, you may not have otherwise come into contact with people from all kinds of different backgrounds and all kinds of different experiences. And um, it really, you know, broadens your base of humanity. You get out of college and so what happened then? Well, I get out of college and uh, struggle trying to find work, and eventually I found work and, um, you know, started started working through an, an NIV contract at, at, at Humana that later turned into a full-time job there. In the, well, I, you know, I'm, I hate to say I'm a boring person, but I'm a pretty boring person. <laughs> In the interim. I uh, met Amanda, and uh, we got married, and then about that same time, we got involved in, in KCB, 
And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a, I guess I'm kind of a sucker for people saying, Hey, we need help with this. Ah, sure. I can do that. You know? So, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, fast forward all these years, you know, here, here we are and, and here I am. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, like I said, I'd, I hate to say I'm a I'm a boring person, but I I kind of am. I'm not gonna lie. So <laughs> I wouldn't I characterize gotta... you as I wouldn't characterize you as a boring person. Uh, um, you know. I I would I would characterize you as a capable person who is serious about what he does. No, well, I guess that's people, fair. Yeah, I mean, some people may think that's boring, but I don't think so. You you have to have people that really are interested in what they're doing in order for the job to get done. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned is your role and Amanda's role in getting the ACB Next Generation affiliate up and running in ACB. And before you you got involved with that on a national level, you were um, getting that the, the Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation chapter going. And you know, Matt, those kinds of things don't just happen. And I mean, anybody can hold a meeting, a first meeting, but for it to be, for it to to continue and to keep things running takes skill and dedication and attention to what's going on. And so you all have been um, involved in very different ways uh, with that whole effort to get younger people involved in KCB and ACB. And you all have just done a really great job. And uh, so, and I, and I think that that sort of has, I won't say it's culminated because that ind- indicates that we're coming to the end of the road and we certainly are not. But that involvement then kind of sets you up to become uh, the president of an affiliate really just a few short years after you had gotten involved. And sometimes that it takes longer to, to get to that level of leadership. So I think it's a compliment to you. And I would, and a boring person would not get to that point. (laughs) That is true. I think it's, um, I, I mean, I guess just speaking for myself, you know, I, I really, enjoy making an impact and enjoy seeing, seeing positive change and seeing things, you know, progress forward. Um, I think like anything else, I think sometimes we always want things to move a lot quicker than they do. I don't know. I try to um, just bring my experiences to bear in a, in a helpful manner and, you know, to, to contribute to whatever whatever needs to get done, and um, you know, hopefully by the end of it, we're we're all the better for it. I mean, you know, just uh, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but you know, one maybe example is you know the tech grant and the and the scholarship. I mean, those were um, you know definitely two things that I tried to put a lot of work into and to help form and and you know along with others. I mean, I'm certainly not the only, not the only person in the boat, you know, but I had a, I was, you know, blessed to have a good committee full of people that really 
worked hard with me to put that together and to, um, you know, get that out to our membership. And um, while I don't think we've seen the the complete fruits of that labor yet, I think we're definitely planting some some good trees along the road. You know. Absolutely. So, yeah. <clears throat> so. And you took the leadership there. And basically, I mean, you got your committee, but you took that leadership and kept that moving. And it is at the point where it is definitely um, moving along and, and growing. And uh, now that you're president, you know, you're not the chair of that committee anymore. You've appointed another chair. But it, you, you've got it moving, and it will be a positive, not just for one group of people. But it is something that can touch really across our membership and across blind and visually impaired people uh, that are part of the Kentucky Council of the Blind or part of Kentucky. But that's that's really a great thing. What are some of the other things that, you know, we all have goals and some may be, you know, small goals. They don't have to be great and glorious. Um, But what are some of the things that you would like to see happen you've your term is two years and um should you choose to um run again you can you can turn it into four what would you like to see happen well four years goes by real quick and it's done before you know it um two goes by even further you blink and that's gone but um you know i i would really like to see us ultimately expand our membership involvement and also expand our membership as a whole. That's one. And then two is I think structurally we need to set ourselves up to where information can easily trickle down and where everything can can, can run smoothly, I guess to say. Sometimes in, in all volunteer organizations such as we are everyone uh does a good job but you know only 20 percent of the people do 80 percent of the work you know so (laughs) a (laughs) uh, common problem a common a common problem for sure but i think you know if we if we give our membership opportunity uh to, to be involved, be that through their chapters or even on, you know, a state committee or something like that, you know, we can really, we can really see Kentucky have a big, a big impact, you know, within our state and within the greater ACB community. I think we already do have, we have a good size impact, but you know, it could certainly, it could always be larger. So. Oh, it can always be larger. <laughs> you, you never reach the point where you say, now we've arrived and there's nowhere else for us to go. That's because, right. Yeah, because there's always tomorrow or next year or whatever. So, That's right. So in saying that, um, I, th- I think that for the person out there listening, you, you're not saying that everybody has to be, Let's say that somebody may be listening and say, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a chair of a committee or something, Mm -hmm. but everybody can have some small part 
if they want to if they want to to play a small role, they can do that. If they want to play a larger role, they can do that. Is that am I reading you correctly? No, perfectly because everyone you know, a bunch of small roles contribute into a big role. You mm -hmm. know, and and collectively, you know, we you know, we can we can make big impacts, you know. I mean, Susan, and I'll I'll give a historical example if I may. You know, Susan B. Anthony didn't start the movement, you know, for the women to have the right to vote on her own. She had others with her, Katie Stanton, so on and so forth. And, you know, she propelled the movement by carrying around literature in suitcases and sending letters and postcards and, you know, doing things that um, eventually grew into the 19th Amendment. But when when she started, it was far from certain that that was going to become a reality. So is the push for uh, equality and 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 civil rights for the visually impaired of you know America. Someone's got to push the ball forward, you know, in some small way. And by the time we get to the bottom of of one hill. You know, we've we've got a giant snowball. Um, <laughs> you just get started because you got to start somewhere. And I mean, you know, heck, a hundred years ago, you know, we didn't have the National uh, Library Service, for example. You know, we right. didn't have access to print materials or that sort of thing. And you know, look at what we have now. You know, we have and granted the world's changed as well, but we we change with it and were the better for it. So, a hundred anyway. years ago, we didn't have a cane. That's true. You know, people were. Yeah. I guess if they wanted used to, they were using a stick or a whatever. You know, we didn't have rehab services. Um, we did have a few organizations that were a few individual state groups, but the vending program didn't exist a hundred years ago. Certainly, the rehab program didn't exist a hundred years ago. The uh, all of the education um, programs, the IEPs and stuff, that wasn't around then. So yeah. there's been so much, but you know what? It, we can't just, and of course there weren't a, a lot of the benefit programs and so on. Um, but you know, one of the things, Matt, with advocacy is people tend to think we, we sort of rest on our laurels. And if we do that and we're not, you know, diligent about what we're working for then uh, we may find that they disappear and then we have to start that road all over again so we have to be really careful we are never at a point where it's all done tell me real quickly before we run out of time would i be reading you correctly to say that if a person is listening out there and they are interested in getting involved in some way they have something they would like to share or an interest they might want to serve on a committee or find out more about how they could help, could they um, contact you and uh, and talk about that, explore the possibility? They are definitely welcome to contact me. Send me an email to mpselm at gmail.com, uh, or if you contact Carla, she'll be happy to give you my cell phone number. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can call right. me. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. And that's M. M P S N Peter Selm S E L M at Gmail dot com. And uh yeah. I mean if if we have one person that comes up and says, I want to 
I want to get involved. That's a huge start. If we have five people, that's an absolutely great start. I can tell you, uh, I'm sure Matt will put you to work because you've um, done a you've done a really good job at, at getting everybody working and doing their thing there with the uh, next generation group. And so I'm sure you'll do the same thing with with KCB. You've already changed the look of some of our board meetings. So yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but I, hopefully it's all for all for positive change. The work is never done. Um, but you know, it's up to me and you and everybody else out there to, to, to do the work and to bring, to bring the change that we want to see. Hey, thank you, Matt. Really appreciate you taking time on Saturday afternoon to talk to us. And I know that you're going to do a great job as KCB president. You've gotten off to a super start and we're all just looking forward to all of the good things that are going to be happening in the next years. As always, Carla, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Page three, News from News. News is a small quarterly magazine published quarterly and available free of charge to blind and physically handicapped residents of the United States and American citizens living abroad through funds provided by the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. If you are interested in more information about news, contact your Talking Book Library and they will be able to assist you to obtain the magazine. We have included several articles from the July-September and October-December 2020 news magazines that we thought you might enjoy. First, here are articles from the July to September issue of News. Who are the most popular authors on BARD? BARD, the NLS Braille and Audio Reading Download Service, has more than 100 subject search categories, including the recently added LGBTQ. We were curious about the most popular subject and author searches on BARD and pulled the stats from the first half of 2020. The most popular search subject by far was mystery and detective stories, followed by western stories, bestsellers, and romance. Most books on BARD are assigned multiple subject categories. The most frequently searched for authors were Nora Roberts, Daniel Steele, James Patterson, John Grisham, and Stuart Woods. If you're an NLS patron and aren't signed up for BARD, it's easy to get started. Find out more at www.loc.gov slash NLS slash Braille dash audio dash reading dash materials slash Bard dash access or call your Talking Book Library for more information. The Kentucky Talking Book Library number is 800-372-2968. More NLS patron surveys are on the way by Mark Lehman. Last year, NLS teamed up with the Gallup Polling and Research Company to survey current and potential patrons, more than 5,000 in all, about a variety of topics, including their access to and ability to use technology. Now NLS is planning two more surveys with Gallup to follow up on what it learned last year. Quote, 
A lot of really good stuff came out of last year's survey, said David Spett, NLS's data analyst. For example, we learned that our patrons are pretty evenly split between those who are very tech-savvy, not tech-savvy, or somewhere in between. A majority of our patrons have technology that would enable them to use BARD, the NLS Braille and Audio Reading Download Service, with a computer or smartphone or tablet with Internet access, he said. But most of those people are not using BARD. We had previously believed that lack of technology or Internet access was the problem, but that seems to not necessarily be the case. A lot of people said they don't use BARD because they prefer mail delivery or aren't comfortable with newer technology. The first of the upcoming surveys will seek to determine patrons' satisfaction with various facets of NLS service, their technological preferences and capacities, and their willingness to use, or barriers that keep them from using, BARD and the BARD mobile app. In the second survey, Gallup will interview former patrons or current patrons who have stopped using BARD to gain insights into why they discontinued their NLS or BARD service. Quote, Findings from these surveys will improve our understanding of the best way to modernize and improve our operations, Spett said. And, by also surveying former patrons and former BARD users, we hope to learn how we can reduce attrition from the program. Gallup will also survey the patrons taking part in a pilot study of two refreshable Braille displays, or e-readers, commissioned by NLS. Participants in the pilot are testing the ease of use and reliability of the two e-reader models, one produced by HumanWare, the other by ZoomMax. Besides measuring participants' satisfaction with the e-readers, Gallup will also ask about the adequacy of the training they received and how the training could be improved. NLS hopes to start loaning e-readers to patrons who read Braille next year. In 2016, NLS's enabling legislation was changed to allow it to loan refreshable Braille displays in addition to audio playback equipment. Patrons with a refreshable Braille display can download and read digital Braille files instead of receiving bulky volumes of hard copy Braille through the mail. The next article is American Council of the Blind honors NLS's Karen Kenninger. The American Council of the Blind, ACB, bestowed its Robert S. Bray Award on NLS Director Karen A. Kenninger during its national convention in July. The award is given to a person who has contributed to improving library technology or communication devices, expanding access for blind people, or making opportunities within the mainstream media. ACB established the award in 1975 to honor Robert S. Bray, Chief of the Library of Congress's Division for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, the precursor to NLS. In nominating Kenninger for the award, former ACB President Kim Charlson noted that under Kenninger's leadership, NLS has developed apps for iOS 
and Android mobile devices and reached agreements with commercial publishers to make their audiobooks available to NLS patrons. Quote, she is also a strong proponent of Braille and has made it a priority at NLS, Charlson wrote. She is a recognized leader in the areas of library and information access, assistive technology, and Braille literacy. Along with her devoted seeing-eye dog, Jimmy, she travels all over the globe to promote access to information and literacy for all people, regardless of their abilities or disabilities. End of quote. Kenninger has served as director of NLS since 2012. Before coming to Washington, D.C., she was director of the Iowa Department for the Blind and, for eight years, director of the Iowa Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, part of the NLS network. Kenninger is the Marrakesh Treaty Liaison and a member of the Standing Committee of the Library's Serving Persons with Print Disabilities section of IFLA, the International Federation of Library Associations and Institutions. Now we turn to the October-December issue of News. The first article spotlights the NLS virtual conference that took place December 1 to 3 in 2020. In that article, NLS staff members gave updates on many new initiatives during the conference. Some of the highlights were, in 2021, NLS will implement a new policy that eases access to the program for individuals with reading disabilities, such as dyslexia, by expanding its list of certifying authorities. It is eliminating a requirement that reading disabilities be the result of organic dysfunction and confirmed by a medical doctor. When the new policy takes effect, school reading specialists, among others, will be allowed to certify eligibility for people with reading disabilities. NLS also will begin to implement the cross-border exchange of Braille and audiobooks under the auspices of the Marrakesh Treaty. The treaty will help NLS expand its foreign language offerings, particularly in Spanish, but also in French, Tagalog, Filipino, Vietnamese, and other languages. You can read more about NLS and the Marrakesh Treaty at https colon slash slash go.usa.gov slash x7jjc. NLS is developing a new digital talking book machine, DTBM, that would meet patron demand and serve as a bridge between the current DTBM introduced in 2008 and a next-generation device. The new DTBM would play talking book cartridges like the current model, but it could also download books from BARD. Meanwhile, NLS is considering options for a next-generation device, perhaps a voice-controlled, locked-down smartphone, and exploring ways to make BARD available to smart speakers. Several hundred patrons in Iowa, Utah, Kentucky, Maryland, and New Jersey are now trying out one model of a refreshable Braille display or e-reader commissioned by NLS. Pilot testing of the second e-reader model will begin around the first of next year. 
Distribution of the e-readers will expand during 2021, fulfilling NLS's longtime goal of providing a device to patrons who read Braille but can't afford expensive commercial refreshable Braille displays. BARD is moving from Library of Congress servers to cloud servers around the first of the year. This will give it the capacity to handle growing demand and provide faster download speeds. Meanwhile, the BARD mobile apps for iOS and Android devices will be getting an improved search feature and expanded subscription options for book series. And soon, patrons will be able to download eBraille books on the Android app, as they already can do on the iOS app. NLS is researching ways to provide data connectivity to patrons who live in areas where there is no broadband service, so they can download books from BARD. NLS is taking steps to diversify its pool of narrators to represent a wider group of voices. NLS's in-house studio and its outside contract studios will tap into this pool for both new recordings and re-recordings of older titles. Next article from NLS News. Congratulations to NLS Consumer Relations Specialist Judy Dixon on being elected President of the International Council on English Braille during its General Assembly in October. Dixon has been a member of the World Braille Council since 2009 and chaired the Braille Authority of North America from 2007 to 2012. This coming June, she will mark 40 years with NLS. The ICEB works to coordinate and improve standards for Braille usage for all English-speaking users of Braille. Its members come from Australia, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, South Africa, the United Kingdom, and the United States. NLS Network Libraries in Pennsylvania and Maryland changed their names this fall. The Free Library of Philadelphia's Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped and Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh's Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped are now LAMP, Library for Accessible Media for Pennsylvanians. In addition to the name change, state residents with print disabilities will access the library's services through a new centralized accessible website at mylamp.org that will go live this winter. The rebrand has been in development for the past two years. Quote, the goal is to make services for Pennsylvania's growing print disabled population more discoverable, accessible, and inclusive, said Mark Lee, director of LAMP in Pittsburgh. LAMP removes disability from our name and focuses on the service. When Congress passed the Pratt-Smoot Act in 1931 and allocated funding to the Library of Congress to purchase books for the blind, the Free Library of Pennsylvania and Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh were two of the original 19 national locations chosen to distribute books. And in October, the Maryland State Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped became Maryland State Library for the Blind and Print Disabled, 
legislation authorizing the name change was passed in the spring of 2020 by the Maryland General Assembly. Page 4. From Around the Internet. The following story is from CNN and was posted on January 25. It's entitled, What to Do and Not Do Before and After Your COVID-19 Shot. It's an all-out sprint to get Americans vaccinated against the deadly novel coronavirus. As you prepare to get your shot, here are 10 actions experts suggest doing and avoiding. Do. Get your vaccine when it's your turn. You should be able to find out when it's your turn to be vaccinated and how to register in your neighborhood by reaching out to your state or local health department. Don't. Let disinformation on vaccine cloud your judgment. Social media is rife with disinformation about both COVID-19 and the vaccines that are available to prevent it. If you have doubts about the vaccine, get educated. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is just one of the many trusted organizations with vetted science-based facts about the virus and available vaccines. Do. Get vaccinated if you've already had COVID-19. Reinfection with COVID-19 is definitely possible, the CDC says, so everyone needs to get a coronavirus vaccination, including those who have already had the illness. Note, if you were given monoclonal antibodies or convalescent plasma while sick with COVID-19, you should wait 90 days after the treatment before getting the vaccine, the CDC advises. Check with your doctor before scheduling the shot. Don't. Get a shot if you currently have COVID-19 or have been exposed. If you have tested positive for COVID-19 or been exposed to someone who has the illness, you should not go to the vaccination site to get your shot until your symptoms and isolation period have passed, said Dr. Michael Eisen, a professor in the Division of Infectious Diseases and Organ Transplantation at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine. Quote, Quite simply, you don't want to get people who are waiting in line sick. You don't want to get the health care staff sick, Eisen said. Do. Get the shot even if you still have COVID-19 symptoms months later. A growing number of people are becoming COVID-19 long haulers, people who continue to suffer fatigue, brain fog, aches, pains, headaches, and more for months after the virus has left their systems. Don't let your ongoing reactions keep you from getting the shot, said vaccine scientist Dr. Peter Hotez. H-O-T-E-Z, professor and dean at the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. Quote, we think long-haul symptoms are not due to active virus infection, but to prolonged inflammatory responses to the virus, Hotez said. Don't. Get another type of vaccine within 14 days of the COVID-19 shot. Wait at least 14 days before or after getting another vaccine, including a flu or shingles shot, to get a COVID-19 vaccination, the CDC says. However, 
If you inadvertently did get another vaccine within that two-week time frame, you should complete the COVID-19 series on schedule. As more information on how vaccines interact becomes available, the CDC says it may update this guidance. Do. Tell vaccine staff about any allergies or past allergic reactions. It's rare, but a few people have had moderate to severe allergic reactions after being given the Moderna and Pfizer mRNA vaccines. So be sure to tell the nurse at the vaccination site about any past allergic reactions. If you do have a history of immediate or severe allergic reactions to vaccines or other injections, try to have an EpiPen on hand says Dr. Sahu Matthew, an Atlantic-based primary care physician and public health specialist. Don't. Drive away before your 15 to 30 minute wait is up. The CDC requires that everyone receiving a coronavirus vaccination wait 15 minutes in their car before driving away. If you have a history of severe allergic reactions, you'll be required to wait 30 minutes in your car to be sure you're safe to drive. Both are a minor inconvenience, experts say, compared to the dangers of an adverse reaction of dizziness or worse while driving. If you have a serious reaction after leaving the vaccination site, call 911, the CDC suggests. All reactions can be reported to a smartphone-based app called vSafe or the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System or VAERS. Common reactions to the vaccine are soreness and swelling at the injection site. Sometimes, more typically after the second shot, people may experience such COVID-like symptoms as fever, fatigue, headache, and chills. Do get your second shot of vaccine within the recommended time frame. Getting a second shot of the vaccine is needed to be sure that you have protection, according to Baylor's Hotez. Quote, in looking at the phase one, phase two data, what I saw with a single dose is some people had high levels of virus neutralizing antibody. Others were non-responders, he said. So, the major reason for the second dose is to get everyone to respond. If you just get a single dose, you don't really know where you stand. End of quote. Pfizer BioNTech doses should be given 21 days apart, the CDC says, while the second dose of Moderna is administered 28 days after the first. Do not get your second dose early, but if you have trouble scheduling, waiting a few extra days after the due date, and perhaps longer, for either vaccine should not be an issue, the CDC says. Do continue wearing masks and practicing social distancing after your shots. Continue to wear your masks and practice appropriate social distancing after both your first and second doses of vaccine, the CDC says. The first dose will not produce enough of an immune response to protect you or others. The second dose should provide approximately 95% protection within one to two weeks after administration, 
depending on the vaccine. However, the CDC says, even after you are fully vaccinated, you may still be a silent carrier of the coronavirus. Quote, we don't yet know whether getting a COVID-19 vaccine will prevent you from spreading the virus that causes COVID-19 to other people, the CDC says. So, to protect others, continue to wear a mask over your nose and mouth. Stay at least six feet apart from others, avoid crowds and crowded and poorly ventilated spaces, and wash your hands often for at least 20 full seconds. Our next article comes from Recipes.com and is entitled Stress Eating. Try these calming foods. 12 foods that can help. These dozen foods aren't just delicious. They may also help your mood. By Stacy Ballas, January 15, 2021. While there are many who suffer with anxiety, depression, and insomnia on a regular basis, the current state of the world means that even those who have never had any of these issues are suddenly finding themselves on the edge, sleepless and struggling. While we strongly advocate for seeking therapeutic and medical assistance, if any of these have become serious for you, we also wanted to see how we might explore food as a way to help combat or mitigate the more minor and occasional instances of these issues. So, what foods should we look for to increase a sense of calm, which might boost our moods in a positive direction? which might be useful in helping us to sleep? And are there any that have a tendency to exacerbate any of those issues that we should avoid if we are experiencing them? We reached out to Michelle Stewart, MPH, RDN, LDN, CDE, owner of Michelle Stewart Consulting and Associates, and the former president of the Florida Academy of Nutrition and dietetics to find out how our eating might help us have a positive effect on our mental health. Stewart reminded us that some foodstuffs can actually have a detrimental impact on our stress levels. Quote, increased levels of adrenaline, the fight or flight hormone, raises the blood pressure. When these levels stay high for prolonged periods, the last thing you need is anything to increase adrenaline, end of quote. This means avoiding or reducing the intake of foods that increase the production of adrenaline, like refined carbs, sugars, and caffeine. After the initial boost we can get from these foods and beverages, they can all have the effect of leaving us tired, lethargic, subject to poor concentration, and with headaches and digestive problems. Quote, Adrenaline also cuts down the supply of blood to the stomach and releases essential fatty acids and glucose to fuel the muscles. This means your body quickly uses up more in the way of vitamins, such as the B-complex, vitamin C, and E. You also use up more in the way of calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, and zinc. End of quote. Stewart also warns against relying too heavily on other stimulants to control your mood. 
quote, alcohol and smoking, which you may be tempted to turn to in times of stress, actually destroy essential nutrients. In addition, although it seems to have a calming effect at first, alcohol is actually a stimulant, end of quote. Here are many foods that are reported to potentially have a positive impact on our moods. Stewart provided the following list. Cottage cheese provides good quality protein and calcium to satisfy your system's needs. Eat it straight with fruit or mixed into creamy, savory dishes like pasta. Almonds, a good source of vitamin B2 and E. The high antioxidant content of almonds aids in flushing those toxins that put more stress on your body. Enjoy as is for a simple snack or use crushed almonds to bread cuts of meat before baking. Yogurt provides the essential minerals and calcium to stimulate proper nerve impulses and normalize the acidity of the stomach. It's especially beneficial when your stomach is upset or if you are prone to ulcers. Avoid overly sweetened store-bought yogurts and instead reach for protein-packed Greek varieties or try making it yourself at home. Blueberries. Blueberries are very high in vitamin C, which has been shown to give the body added reserves to help it deal with high levels of stress. Also, blueberries contain a high amount of fiber, which assists with regulating blood sugar levels. Blood sugar levels that fluctuate too much are a major contributor to stress for some people. Snack on the berries plain, bake into whole grain granola bars, or blend into a smoothie. Milk. Milk is very high in calcium and B vitamins, which help to build your bones and protect nerve health. It is also high in protein, which may help blood sugar to stay stabilized. Drink a glass with dinner or heat it up over the stove with spices like cinnamon and nutmeg for a warm treat. Oranges. Oranges are very high in vitamin C. When you are stressed, your body releases even more free radicals than usual. Vitamin C helps to keep the free radicals in check and repairs the body. Basically, it helps protect the body from the cumulative effects of stress. Throw orange wedges onto your next salad. Try a glass of freshly squeezed juice or chop them up for a tropical twist on salsa. All whole grains, including bulgur wheat, quinoa, oats, and brown rice, contain plenty of B vitamins and also supplies serotonin-producing carbohydrates that do not spike blood sugar levels. Use them to make grain bowls, act as hearty side dishes, or for stuffing into peppers and tomatoes. Broccoli, kale, and other dark green vegetables are powerhouses of vitamins that help replenish your bodies in times of stress. Many vegetables also contain potassium, which is good for our nerves and can calm them. Also, when we eat a diet high in vegetables, we are less likely to feel weighed down and it is easier to do stress-reducing exercise. Play with how 
you like your green vegetables, but roasting, steaming, or sauteing are all great options. Dried apricots. Dried apricots are rich in magnesium, which is a stress booster. Some people even say that magnesium helps reduce heart palpitations brought on by stress. Magnesium is a natural muscle relaxant as well. Apricots are also high in fiber and vitamin C. Don't eat too many of them, though, because they also contain quite a bit of fructose, a type of sugar. Dried apricots can be snacked on, chopped and tossed into grain pilafs, or blended into condiments. Turkey contains an amino acid called L-tryptophan. This amino acid triggers the release of serotonin, which is a feel-good brain chemical. This is the reason why many people who eat turkey feel relaxed or even tired afterwards. L-tryptophan has a documented calming effect. Try baked turkey breast for an easy weeknight dinner. Try adding foods that are made out of soy to your diet, such as soy milk, tofu, tempeh, and miso. Soy is high in protein, B vitamins, calcium, and magnesium. Toss tempeh or soy into your next stir-fry. Use miso as a soup base, or try soy milk over your cereal. Sweet potatoes can be particularly stress-reducing because they can satisfy the urge we get for carbohydrates and sweets when we are under a great deal of stress. Instead of reaching for a donut, eat one of these special spuds instead. They are packed full of beta-carotene and other vitamins, and the fiber helps your body to process the carbohydrates in a slow and steady manner. Enjoy sweet potatoes stuffed, mashed, roasted, or as baked wedges. While technically not a food, it is important to have sufficient water intake, as even a mild state of dehydration can stress your entire body. Keep your nerves steady by staying well hydrated. If drinking plain water is a struggle for you, try adding a few slices of fruit or pieces of fresh herbs to infuse each glass with flavor. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.